morning, church family. Welcome to church today. So great to see everyone. How are you today? How are you online today? Welcome to those who are online as well. So glad that you're with us. Hope that you can stay all the way through. Um, it's just great to be in God's house. Good to be in his presence today. Um, there was eight words came out of my mouth this morning as I sat down uh, after breakfast to prepare for today, to prepare myself for today. And it was these words, Heavenly Father, as I come into your presence. That was my opening line in my prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, as I come into your presence. And I was thinking, do you know, it's, it's a strange thing, isn't it? Because God lives in us, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And yet we pray things like, Father, we're coming into your presence today. And really, I, I hope that we're looking for the presence of God today. Because that's what changes things in our lives. When God is present, and we know that God's always with us, but sometimes God shows his presence in special ways and it makes a big difference in our lives. And it made me think about that verse in Hebrews 10, 22. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed in pure water. You know, God lives in us. I've said that he lives in us. And it, still. It's like we can do something physical. It's about turning our focus around so that it's entirely on Him. It's so easy to come into church and be distracted by life, by the problems, by what you're going to be doing later on today. And our minds can wander off into those things. But I want to encourage us to spend this time and focus solely on Jesus today. And as we prepare to worship, you know, I talked there about uh, being cleansed from a guilty conscience. I don't know about you, have you ever come into church and you've got something bothering your conscience? Have you ever experienced that? Yeah? And we can come into to church and, and, and be preparing to come into God's presence to worship Him, but have things in our lives that are just needing to be sorted out. And so as I pray, and as we pray for the presence of God, let's just take a moment or two, just before we begin to worship God through song, to say, okay, Lord, uh, just he, here are my weaknesses here are the things that have been troubling me here's the things which are bothering my conscience today Father just lift them before you and ask that you would come and that you forgive me and that you'd help me to turn around and focus 100% on you this morning Father we pray that you just make us clean Father that you cleanse us from the inside Father that we may be able to worship you in spirit and in truth today. Father, knowing that we are clean, knowing that we're children of the Most High God, the Living God. And Father, we just pray for your presence in this place today. Father, we pray that you would saturate this house with your presence. Father, that those who are online today, their house would be saturated with your presence. Father, wherever they are, they are just now watching this service, Father, we pray that you would saturate that place with your presence. Father, as we turn around, as we focus on you, and Father, we pray that we would shed off anything that hinders us in worshipping you today. So Father, we ask that you would come. Father, we ask that you would meet with us today as we come to meet with you, as we come to meet with church family today. Father, to be in your presence. Lord, we pray, come and live in our praise this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. And may you be glorified. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to praise God and to worship his name today.
folks want to just pray out their thanksgiving if you're at home feel free just to to just praise God and give him thanks today let's maybe one or two just pray and give thanks to God today let's keep worshipping him in this place today Father we thank you we glorify you, we give you honour in this place today.
Philippians chapter 2 challenges us. It says that your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, he made, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and in earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's just stand and let's sing that refrain from that song uh, that, that we were just singing there, how great is our God, and let's just worship him and recognize how important this time of year is that Jesus came and that he came to be with us that, and he suffered and died that God may be able to exalt him to the highest place that every knee should bow, every tongue confess and everyone confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's just continue to worship him and sing how great is our God. Let's keep standing to, to praise him this morning if you're able to. Yeah. 
thank you that you are indeed a great God. Father, you're not one God amongst many. You are the God. Father, you're the God who created everything that we stand upon right now. Father, the earth as it rotates around the sun, Father, as it rotates in its own axis, Father, you set all these, these things in motion. Father, you have created us. And Father, you have created new life in us today. And Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for that new life that helps us to be able to see you, to be able to perceive and understand who you are. Father, that life that enables us to worship you this morning. Father, there's something within us cries out to you this morning. We cry out, Abba, Father. We thank you that we can call you Father. We can call you Dad. Father, we thank you that we have that relationship with you. Father, we thank you that you are our creator. You are our sustainer. Father, you're the one who's given us life. And Father, we continue to look to you. And Father, for your presence in this place. And Father, for just this explosion of your presence across this area. Father, that you would just demonstrate your presence through the church. Father, we pray for your church, Lord, that you'd cause it to rise up and to be all that you cause it to be, all that you plan it to be, all that you call it to be. And Father, we pray that you'd fulfill your word, Father, over our lives and over this church. Father, we just pray that you'd move and that you'd breathe amongst us. And Father, that the Spirit's life would flow throughout this church. Father, that we would be receptive to what you want to do and what you want to say. And so, Father, even just now, this morning, Father, we pray that you'd help us to incline our ears, incline our hearts to what you want to say to us. 
Father, we just pray for those who need a touch from you, those who are sick. And Lord, we ask that you'd presence yourself with them. Father, that you bring healing. Father, that you bring wholeness. Father, we thank you that Bobby's in the, 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 the church today. We thank you for uh, just his healing. And Father, we just pray that you continue to work in his body. And Father, that you just restore him to full health and strength. And Father, for others in our church who need a touch from you, Father, we just pray that your presence would be with them right now. Father, maybe some who are joining us online today, Father, we pray that you just presence yourself in such a powerful way with them. Father, may healing flow where they are right now in the very room that they're in. Father, may your presence be demonstrated in that room. Father, for those who are still struggling with with grief and loss and Father, just the turmoil that comes through these types of circumstances in life, Father, we pray for your peace. Father, we pray for strength. Father, we pray for courage in the days that lie ahead. Father, we pray for a sense of well-being and a sense of your presence for each one. And Father, we just pray that you would be so present in each life, in every heart, in every home. Father, we we pray that you'd be so present. Father, we thank you that you're here today. And Lord, we thank you that we can worship you in these songs that we're singing today. We can praise you. But Father, we know that you're so much more than the songs that we sing. But Father, we thank you that you love to hear our voices lifted in praise to you. And Lord, we pray that our praise to you today was acceptable and Lord as we go on in this day Father we pray that we would continue to praise you and to speak about you and to glorify your name and so Father we just pray anoint our ears to hear what you want to say through your word today as well Father may we be open and attentive to hear the Spirit's voice today Father we pray that you give us understanding in your word Father that you just help us to just grasp something fresh today from your throne in this place today in Jesus name we ask And please be seated, everyone. If you're not already, that is. Thank you to the musicians for leading us, the tech guys at the back, everybody who's involved in helping and serving today. Um, just thank you. It's so appreciated. And uh, great to see everyone here today. I'm just going to do this little photograph, if you'll give me a second. And this little photograph, say cheese, say Orkney smoked cheddar. Okay, don't bother. Um, just a reminder that uh, a week in Friday we have Christmas jump air. Please be praying for that. Uh, we have a number of folks who are saying that they're interested in coming along for their Christmas dinner. So please be praying for that as we uh, finish off our preparations for that over the next couple of weeks. Um, and that will be at one o'clock here on the 17th. And just to clarify something, I don't know if I made a wrong announcement last week. The Christmas Eve service is always at 6.30, okay? Maybe I said something wrong last week, I'm not sure. But just to clarify, the Christmas Eve is at, Eve service is at 6.30. What time? 6.30 p.m., Gordon. Thank you very much for <laughs> clarifying that, yes. I will not be here at 6 o'clock 30 in the morning, Okay. Just add the 30 in there in case I forget. The title of what we talk about today is Moved by Christmas but Missing the Messiah. You know, as we head towards this time of the year, we think about what Jesus has done for us. And I want us to just center around that for a little while this morning. I want us to just hear what some people think about Jesus. You know, I, I think if we're going to talk about our faith and talk about what we believe, we need to be able to understand what other people think about who Jesus is. And so this little video will give us a little insight into what people think about Jesus. This was uh, filmed back in 2013. 
absolutely ages ago. So I actually think some of the statistics on this might be out of date. There's one stat, and it's definitely out of date now. But let's just watch this little video. I'd like to think Jesus is a great person. Uh, I just, I, it's, a, it's to me, it's a silly story. Jesus was the shepherd who basically was the leader of the pack and told people what to do. He would probably be the guy that I walked by and thought he was a homeless bum and ignored him, honestly. I'm sure that he would be saying something really profound and I'm afraid I might be ignoring it. I don't necessarily believe that any one person is God. I don't think that Jesus may have been God. However, I do believe that we all have divinity within us. I'm just trying to do the best I can down here. I, I, I believe that uh, the teachings of Jesus, uh, they ring true to me. This the way it makes sense to live that way, to, to love people instead of hate people, to, to look out for your fellow man instead of always trying to beat him down. wasn't white, <laughs> so I don't think that you could say that he's just here for white middle class people. Uh, if he really existed, uh, all for it. Um, too bad that there is no other people that, like him nowadays. Jesus, I believe, was a liberal, and I think looking at where we're going, I think he'd be happy to see that people are becoming more and more accepting. Sure, I believe that Jesus was a historical person, um, but I don't believe that the other things that have accrued around the story of his life. He's, he's like the pinnacle of love. It's idolization, basically. The idea that there's a human being that can be viewed as a god is, 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 is a tough, um, tough proposition for me to accept. Jesus, he loves people and he wants people in his family and he's not someone that pushes people outside. He's always inviting people in. I think I'm, I grow more curious about that every day um, uh, and, and how I can be a better person, uh, maybe by following his teachings and, and maybe it will be a, a fit for me and maybe it won't, but you know, I'll, I have a lifetime to figure that out. like the way that she ended that I have a lifetime to figure it out if she'd been living through the last 20 months she would probably have changed her opinion by now um, but it's interesting to hear what people think about Jesus a polarizing character in history and you either believe that he is who he says he is the son of God or he must be an absolute nut job you know he can't he can't be both he can't be a good person a good teacher and all this kind of stuff he's either who he says he is or he's a total charlatan and I want us just to think a little bit about Jesus today. The scriptures that I'm going to reference today are from Matthew chapter 1. Um, when, when I come to Christmas, I, I begin to read through the Gospels again, Matthew and Luke being the primary sources of information about the nativity. Um, but yeah, I'm just always saying, well, Lord, 
what, what can I still find out? What have I still got to discover about who you are as I read these uh, scriptures today? And I want to just go back, way back to the start, and read a, a passage of scripture that's not even from the New Testament. And it's in Genesis chapter 1. And it says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said. And it's that whole picture there, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, this mass that's formless and empty, and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is hovering over that mass and just waiting on the Word of God. And God said, let there be light. God said, God spoke, God created, and God saw that it was good. And the natural world that we know was created and set in motion. I've said this before, I just keep forgetting that I'm traveling at 67,000 miles an hour right, right now around the sun. It's just it's like, can you feel it? Can you feel it? Nope. And it's just incredible that the laws of nature which we refer to, the laws of physics, the laws of mathematics, all of these things put in place by a creator God. God spoke, God created, and God saw that it was good. The problem is that we deviated from what God had originally intended. And then God did something new, a new creative act, something totally fresh. Listen to what Luke tells us in chapter 1, verse 35 of his gospel. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we read in John that the Word was with God and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, we learn from Scripture, is the very expression of God. If we want to know what God's like, we look at Jesus. He is the very expression, the very essence of the Father. And here we read in Luke about a tiny little baby being born, and it says that the Holy Spirit would overshadow Mary, and that this new creation would come into the world, a new thing, born into creation, but by a different means, a fresh creative act. In the beginning, it was the heavens and the earth, and here, however many thousands of years later, it's the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And he calls us to get back on the right track. God created a new thing. We call him Christ, which means anointed, Messiah. Jesus, which means Savior, coming from the term Joshua, God saves. Fully God and fully human. And God did something, or the God that we believe in as Christians, did something that no other religion teaches. God himself came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. Things that were spoken of by the prophets hundreds of years earlier. And if you're a child, you say, but why? But why? How does that work? But why? Does anybody ever remember asking those questions? Does anybody have kids that still ask those questions? Does anybody have grandkids that ask those questions? But why, granddad? Because there came a point in time where people took a different track. People took a different track. They deviated off of the path that God had and deviated onto a different track. We call that point the points. 
on a track, on a railway track, where you're able to move to a different line. We call that the points. A place where you change track. And there always comes a point, and I think, you know, Christianity is like a journey, okay? But there are times when we come to a point where we make a decision. People are sometimes on a journey to come to faith, to come to faith in Jesus. But there has to come a point where they make a change. For each one of us, even if we're Christians, in our faith journey with God, there comes a point where we need to make a change. We need to respond to what God is saying to us. And we need to make a change. The problem with getting off the track is that the longer we're off the track, the longer we go, the further away we become in our relationship with God, the further away we get from God's ideal for our lives, for yours and mine. But Jesus came to bring us back onto the right track. Jesus came to get our lives back onto the direction that God wanted it to go. And in the process, biblical prophecy was fulfilled. Biblical prophecy is rooted in history. Prophecy, in essence, is the revelation of God. And as Matthew opens his gospel, he begins to refer to the prophets, people who had lived before him and yet who spoke into the times that he had witnessed and saw for himself. Bear in mind that Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. The gospel of Matthew is aimed at Jews. And therefore, when you read Matthew's gospel, he will say time and time again, this happened in order that the scripture might be fulfilled. This is the first one. Let's look at it. The first one he talks about is the virgin birth. And he refers to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which was written seven or around 700 years before this time happened, in about the time where some of the Jewish people were going into exile in Assyria. And this is what it says. And he's talking about the virgin birth. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was to be a sign, and signs aren't the end. Signs point to something else. And the virgin birth was a sign that pointed to the authenticity of the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. And contained in this reference is an idea that God came in the flesh. We call this the incarnation, which has nothing to do with reincarnation. And it's got nothing to do with carnation milk. Why? That word does something funny in my head, incarnation. But it's got nothing to do with reincarnation. This was a brand new creation. God did something new in all of creation that had never happened before. And I've said this before, but Muslims are not offended by Christmas. We've heard a lot of things in the public sphere over the last number of years where it's like, well, we can't offend people about Christmas. Let me just say something. Muslims actually believe in the virgin birth of Jesus, Mary being Jesus' mother. They actually believe that and teach that. And I could actually quote from the Quran today and show you where it comes from. I've got the references in my notes. Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet and that he was born in the same way that we teach of the Virgin Mary. The vast difference centers around what we were singing about this morning, the crucifixion. And that's where we begin to deviate 
and go in a different line in our understanding. So Muslims are not offended by Christmas. And by the way, have you ever heard that thing, you know, we're taking Christ out of Christmas when it changed to Xmas? Have you heard that? Do you want a little Greek lesson? The Greek name for Christ is Christos. And that sound where we get loch is actually marked by an X. It's the character X. And so when somebody says that it's Xmas, you just say Christosmas. <laughs> so you're keeping Christ in Christmas. That's just a little freebie today because I, I think we just need to, we need to kind of like really be understanding what we're talking about here. So let's just bear that in mind. People might be opposed to the virgin birth and think, well, how could that ever happen? The reality is that it was prophesied hundreds of years before and it came into being and people witnessed that very thing. Matthew goes on to talk about the place of Messiah's birth. He quotes Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Again, at the same time in history, Micah's writing is in about the same time as Isaiah. And this all came up when Herod began to question the chief priests and the teachers of the law about where the Messiah would be born because the wise men had come to visit months and months after Jesus had been born, perhaps up to two years after Jesus had been born. And it's like, well, this, this child has been born. Where would he come from? Because I want to go and worship him too. Yeah, right. We'll come to that in a second. And this is what Matthew says in chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet Micah, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for uh, from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. So the place of his birth was clearly talked about hundreds of years before, and it came to pass in the person of Jesus. The third thing that I see is the escape to Egypt. Again, Matthew is quoting the Old Testament prophets, Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. Again, written about the same time in the Jewish history. And this is what Matthew says in chapter 2, verse 15. And remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Hosea, out of Egypt I have called my son. Isn't it interesting that there's another Joseph who has dreams, who goes down into Egypt as an exile and comes with his son when it's safe back to the land of promise. Sounds like another story we've heard about in the Old Testament, doesn't it? Jacob's son, Joseph, who had dreams and knew that he was going to go down to Egypt and eventually blah, blah, blah. I'll not go into all that. Um, I'll move swiftly on for the sake of time. But here they were, migrants coming back from a foreign country, back to the land of their origin, back to their homeland. People who were on the run for their life, people who were seeking asylum. And it makes me think about the things that we see on the TV just now and the impact of society and other countries on their citizens so that they are prepared to take such an incredible risk to find a place of freedom and safety. And here we are, and we take these things for granted. Have you ever thought what it must be like to live in a country where you have to run for your life? I find that really hard to imagine and hard to understand, and yet we see that in the Christmas story as well. The fourth thing is Herod's despicable acts have called them. We read about that in Jeremiah, and this time Matthew actually specifically refers to Jeremiah. This was written about 600 years BC, but this time around the time that the other tribes were going into captivity in Babylon. 
And this is what Matthew says. This, uh, sorry, then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. And here we see the fulfillment of Scripture again in the times of Jesus. The fifth thing that Matthew makes reference to is Nazareth being Jesus' home. And this is what Matthew says in chapter 2, verse 23. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He was a Nazarene. And it's really interesting, as I began to think, where is that reference in the Old Testament? I couldn't find it. In fact, I couldn't even find a reference to Nazareth in the Old Testament. The word doesn't exist in the Old Testament. And Matthew here is referring to the prophets in general. And it made me think about why, why did he do that? What's he seeing that we are not? And I have to come to the conclusion, because there's various schools of thought in this, Matthew had an understanding of something that we don't these days. And the scripture reference from the Old Testament isn't there. And I wonder sometimes if this was part of God's plan. And I'm, I'm sharing my own thoughts. This is just my thinking on this. So this can be challenged. I might be wrong. But my thinking is that the fact that Jesus grew up in Nazareth put people off the scent. Because they believed that Jesus would be coming from Bethlehem. They probably had this idea of somebody who would be born there, who would be a kingly figure, who would come riding in his horse and chariot, all powerful, all almighty, to rule for his people and to dispossess the other peoples who were tormenting them and oppressing them. They probably had this idea. And yet here comes this obscure man from Nazareth. And I'm not going to go into all this today, but you think about it. The amount of references to Nazareth and how it's the place you don't want to come from, it's the side of town that you don't want to live in, and yet here comes this man out of Nazareth, totally incognito, and this man is the Messiah. I was born not far from here, and a lot of people don't know that, but I grew up on the east side of Glasgow, which is where my accent comes from. So I didn't go to school around these parts. So, to all intents and purposes, I come from down in the east side, but actually that's not where I was born. And I, 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 kind of, I was thinking about this, it's like, it must have been like that with Jesus. He would have sounded like somebody who came from Galilee. He would have used their kind of dialect and tone and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, this, this is Jesus of Nazareth, you know. And I wondered, where does this reference come from? The, the name Nazareth itself is hard to pinpoint in terms of its exact meaning, but there are suggestions that it sounds like an old Hebrew word called netzer, which means a branch. And we know that Jesus was referred to in the branch. We read about references like that in Isaiah 11.1, 1, Jeremiah 23.5, Zechariah 3.8, and 6.12. Places where Jesus is referred to as the branch, and the word Nazareth sounds like the Hebrew word for branch. Or the other Hebrew word, which means to save or protect, which is Natsar. Both references found liberally in the Old Testament. And I wonder if Matthew was maybe thinking along those types of lines about the Messiah. And is it any wonder that Matthew begins to write, as he writes and writing to a Jewish audience, that he begins to spell all these things out? 
this person, Jesus, is the Messiah that you were waiting for, and you missed the Messiah. You missed the Messiah. And I wonder how many people today are missing the Messiah. People who choose not to believe. People who have no inclination of believing in Jesus as the Messiah. Some of the people that we heard about on this video today, it's like, well, I can't go along with that. That's totally impossible. And all sorts of ideas about who, who Jesus is. And that happened even at the time. We're not seeing anything new. Matthew was trying to spell out for his listeners that Jesus was who he said he was. He was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And even the fulfillment of biblical prophecy is rooted in history. Jesus is a real historical person. And you might be thinking, so what's the point? What's the point of all this? And really, it's a good question. I think the point is that God always fulfills his word. God always fulfills his word. And I want to challenge us in two different areas. The, the words that are spoken over your lives, what has God said over you? What has God said over me? And do we hear the voice of God and know that that was a word for God, from God for us? And I want to encourage us to hold on to that because God always fulfills his word. If God has spoken over something over your life, he will bring that to pass. Listen to what Paul says as he's writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. We have incredible promises. We have generic promises in Scripture that we can apply to our lives. But there are also things that God has spoken over your life and I want to encourage you to recall them, to read them, to pray over them, and to pray that God brings them to pass and to lead into those things. The second thing is that God's words over the church will be fulfilled. God always fulfills his word, whether that's over your life or over the life of the church. God will fulfill his word. Our job in the meantime is to be faithful, to persevere, to be persistent in prayer, to keep looking to God and to keep listening to God and to be obedient to the thing that he asks us to do. And I heard a story from uh, Jamie Tong. You remember Jamie, pastor in Shetland. He's now down in Hull. Jamie's spoken in the church uh, a few times. And Jamie talked about a time way, way back in ministry when he was much younger, beginning to step into ministry and take over a church. And this is what he spoke, said. He spoke of an elderly pastor who told him that a prophet had come and said the day would come when this small building would be full of people with their hands in the air worshiping God. And furthermore, the church would, be out, would outgrow the building and would buy the Methodist church around the corner and move there. An old pastor, an old pastor who had kept the doors open in the church. He kept faithful because he knew that God had made promises over the church. Another couple came to pastor, and then eventually Jamie and Christine came to pastor this church. And this is what happened. One Sunday night in late 1981, during the worship, standing on the platform at the front, Jamie felt the Holy Spirit tell him to open his eyes. He did and saw that the building was full to overflowing, and every person present had their hands raised in praise. And he said that in that moment, God whispered to him, see, 
I fulfill my word. See, I fulfill my word. And they did by the Methodist church around the corner. God fulfills his word. Our job in the meantime is to stay faithful to him. Do we agree with that? Do you agree with that today? Do you really agree with that today? Do those online agree with that today? That God always fulfills his word. If God has made promises over your life, if God has made promises over this church, it will come to pass. Our job in the meantime is to stay faithful to him. And I want to encourage us because there are times where you think, what's happening here? There are times where, as the leader of the church, I think, God, what's happening here? How long, O oh Lord? We read that in the Psalms so often. And the Psalms are so, they're so gritty and so real. It's like, Lord, why is all this happening? Where's your blessing? What's the reason for all this stuff that's happening round about us? And God says, you need to stay faithful. You need to press in. You need to persevere in prayer and stay faithful because God will fulfill his promises over you, over your family, over this church. The second reason, what is the point of all this? The second reason that I see, other than God fulfills his word, is that the Holy Spirit can still create new life. The Holy Spirit can still create new life. And that's my prayer more and more and more and more. I have an ever-expanding list of names of people who either did know Jesus at one point in time and have fallen away, or they've never encountered Jesus to start with. And this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. So, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. God can create new life in us. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. In the beginning, God created the heavens and this big mass called the earth that we're standing on just now, rotating around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. In the beginning, God created something fresh and something new. 2,000 years ago, God created something fresh and something new as the Holy Spirit hovered over Mary, as the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Something came into being that had never existed before, and his name was Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior. New creation in Jesus, new creation in us. God can do new things in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. And I think that's God's desire, is to create spiritual life in people. And to quote Anton Deck, for those who are watching, I'm a celebrity, it might be you. It could be you. Do you know, there are people who could have been coming to church for years and have never made that step to follow Jesus wholly. You've never made that decision to fully trust Jesus, to give him your whole life, to entrust your life and your entire future to Jesus. You've not come to the points yet. It's possible to be coming to church and be on a different track. It's possible to be in beside God's people worshiping and be on a different track. We need to come to that point where there's a moment of decision where you say, today's the day I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I've looked apart. I've been coming to church and to all intents and purposes, people think I'm a Christian, but I know that I've not made that decision to get my life back on track with God. 
And we can suffer from that. We can suffer from the secret life and where it takes us on a different track. And the longer we're on that track, the further we're getting away from God. You can say, well, I've done lots and lots of good things in my life. I give to charity. I do this, I do that, I do the next thing. I'm trying to balance up the bad that I've done with the good that I've done. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. The Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. It's not about works so that none of us can boast. It's not about balancing out the the good with the bad and hopefully, you know, that we're doing more good than bad. It's about God's grace in us. You could have been coming to church for years and thinking, you know, I, I put my money in the offering and, you know, I'll turn up and help sometimes. You know, you could be not even in this building today. You could be online Somebody could watch this. Somebody could listen to this later. And, and maybe, maybe God's wanting to say to you that going to church isn't making you a Christian. That's not what it is. We go to church because we're Christians. We do good because God has done something in our lives. And we can get distracted by the people around about us. And, and we can look at other people and think, well, I'm never going to be as good as that person. How do you know? How do you know? It's not about how good we are compared to other people. Each one of us, when we come to Jesus, we become a brand new creation. Something new is created in the world. The life of God is created within us. The Spirit of God comes to live in us. I don't know about everyone in here today. It's possible to be moved by Christmas and the emotion of it and the tiny little baby Jesus and have all the fun and all the presents and all the parcels and stuff yourself so that you can't even move. And we can do all those things and we can miss the reason for Christmas, whether it's written with an X or the title Christ, which means Messiah or anointed. We can miss the reason for Christmas, which is God coming into the world. We can miss it. I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to miss that Jesus is here right now. And maybe we could just bow our heads in prayer for a little second as we just finish off our time together today. And maybe the musicians could come back up as well, actually. I'd like us to sing that song, that last song that we did again, How Great Is Our God. But let's just stay in an attitude of worship and praise in prayer today, and let's just come before God. God who created the heavens and the earth, God who created a new creation in Christ, Jesus, something brand new in the world, God who is able to create something new, he has created something new in us. If we've had that experience in God, we've invited God into our heart, then we can be, we are already that new creation and we're being renewed day by day. Even if on the outside things don't look that great, inwardly we're being renewed day by day as we trust in him, as we follow him. But maybe there are people today in here and you've never made that decision. Even though you've been coming to church, maybe you're online today, maybe you're in the building today and you have never made that decision to come to the points, to come to that point where you change track and you got your life onto the track that God wants for you. Maybe that's you today. And if that is you today, I invite you to pray a prayer after me. Just repeat it in your heart after me. And 
the important thing is if you pray that prayer, you need to tell somebody that you've done it. It's not just about praying a prayer and believing in your heart. You've got to speak it out. You've got to make that confession. You've got to make it publicly. So you've got to tell somebody. And if you make that decision, you'll want to tell somebody. Let's just pray a prayer. And if you pray this prayer after me, come and let me know. If you're online, uh, drop us a message. And we do have things that we can send out to you to help you on that journey. Let's pray this prayer. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he is the reason for Christmas. I thank you that he is your brand new creation and that you can make me a brand new creation. And I pray that you do that today, that you'd come into my life, that you'd come into my heart. And today I'm getting to the point where I get off the old track and get onto your track. Today is the day that I make that decision. And I pray that you'd forgive me, that you'd make me clean, that your Holy Spirit would come in and that you'd help me and give me strength to live the way that you want me to, that my life might bring glory to you. Make a new creation in me today. In Jesus' name I ask. <coughs> and if you've prayed that prayer, come and let us know. We have things that we can help you with on this journey. It is a journey and this is a track and it leads, to, it leads to Jesus and we want to help you to get on that journey today. I don't want us to be so caught with Christmas and miss the Messiah as a church, as families, as individuals. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to focus on you and Father, to focus on what you want to do and Father, to focus on the people who don't know you yet because Father, we want them to come and experience you. Father, that you'd create new life in and around our families and our friends and our neighbours. Father, the people that we love and are close to. Father, even people that we work alongside. Father, even the people that we don't get along with so well. Father, we want them to come to know you. And so, Father, we pray that you would bring them to know you. And Father, I just pray for people who are experiencing difficulties just now. Father, I just sense that there are people who are maybe getting... uh, some challenges thrown their way. Father, maybe it's in the workplace or in uh, the place of education or in, or in the family. Father, we pray for those who are experiencing challenges just now. Lord, that you'd come by your spirit and that you'd minister peace and grace into their lives. And Father, that you'd just demonstrate your presence in that situation. Oh, Father, we pray that you demonstrate your, your presence in that situation. We sung about the storms of life in that first song that we sang today, Father. We thank you that regardless of the storm, you're always with us, that you never leave us and you never forsake us. But, Father, we pray for a demonstration of your presence in that particular situation, whatever it is. And so, Father, as we worship you again, just as we finish our time together to, today, Father, we just want to give you praise and honor as we say how great is our God. Be glorified in our lives today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing.
thank you for Jesus who you sent 2,000 years ago. Father, in such an incredible way, and Father, such a humble way, Father, that he lived just, it seemed to be such an ordinary life to begin with. But Father, you had a plan and a purpose for him. Father, that you'd fulfill your word over his life. Father, that he would go to that cross and that he would die for our sins. Father, that he would take the punishment that was, should have been ours upon himself. But Father, we thank you that you didn't stay there, that he rose on the third day. Father, that he rose again and that he sent the Holy Spirit to fill the church with power. Father, that he is seated at the right hand and makes intercession for us. He, he gets alongside us and he prays for us because he believes in us. And maybe some people in here need to hear that today, that God believes in you, that Jesus died for you and he believes in you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Father, we pray that we'd be encouraged to press into the things which you have for us. Father, that we would seek out that plan. Father, that we would seek out the track that you want us to be on. Father, that thing which you're calling us to do as we follow you. Father, we pray blessing on this church. We pray that you'll just bring your words to fruition in your time and in your way. And Father, help us to persist, to persevere in prayer, to be uh, Father, just to have that tenacity in our spirits. Lord, regardless of what's happening around us, Father, regardless of the storm, that you'd help us to focus on you because, Father, we know that you're right there with us. Jesus is in the boat beside us. So, Father, we pray, help us to persevere in the things which you have for us, even today, even this week. And, Father, we just pray your blessing on every family, every home, Father, every person who's here today, every heart, every place that we work, Father, our friends, our neighbours, Father, even those who come against us, Father, we pray blessing, we pray healing, we pray wholeness. And Father, we pray in these days that you would continue to demonstrate your presence. In Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. And I hope that you have a great week. And as if you've prayed that prayer today, remember and come in and chat with us. Please do that. Okay. Thank you. The Lord bless you.